Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, good morning. As we come, we're we're in God's Word, and we've been preaching out of Jeremiah chapter 31, and you know our series has been called The One Big Story of God's Grace. And the whole Bible from beginning to end is really an unfolding of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And we shared from a few weeks ago that Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. What a name to be known by, right? And he was the weeping prophet because he was so filled with grief expressed over the sin and judgment of God's people. But you could also call Jeremiah the waiting prophet because he announced to God's people that there would be a day that was coming that soon that they would wait for and the new covenant would come. You know, most of us uh, don't like to wait for anything. Anyone an impatient person like me? (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being honest over on this side of the room. Good job. You know, uh, waiting is really hard. It's whatever you're waiting for that you really want. That's something that's difficult. (laughs) But God made his covenant of grace with his people, and he kept renewing it. Throughout the Old Testament, we have examples of his covenant, for example, with Moses and David. And in the Old Testament, people were waiting, waiting, waiting. And they looked forward and anticipated the coming of the days of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And when Jesus came, he satisfied everything, all the requirements of what was called the covenant of grace. This means, this is the good news, church. We don't have to wait anymore. Yay! And that should be something we celebrate. So let's look at our passage this morning. This is from Jeremiah chapter 31. We're going to begin in verse number 31, and I'll remind you as we do each week, this is God's, God's holy word. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, this new covenant has three things we're going to look at this morning that we don't have to wait for anymore. But before we look at them, let me share with you just real briefly about covenants. In ancient times, people were pretty familiar with this concept of covenants 
Because um, covenants were these promises that were made between people and nations throughout ancient times. And covenants were really vows that people would make to one another and would share both the responsibilities and the privileges. You know, it's kind of like today in a contract, if you will, in today's world. And, and you would say, for example, both parties, when they make a covenant, would add value to each other. For example, in typical treaties in those ancient days, a great king who had a powerful army and he could stomp on anyone would make a treaty with a lesser king. And the great king would say, I'm going to protect you and your lands, and I'm actually not going to kill you and put you in prison, which I could do and take all your goods, but I'm going to protect you from other nations, but you have to pay me. And the lesser king of the other nation would have to pay the greater king in his nation, which was called tribute money. And so this... This was kind of the process of what would happen in those days. And if the lesser king didn't pay up, well, it wasn't good news for him (laughs) because the lesser king would come and receive a curse or judgment or, if you will, the wrath of the great king. But this covenant in Jeremiah is the covenant which is made with the greatest king, the one true king. And he is making it with all his people. And it is a different kind of covenant. It, 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 because it is unilateral. And that means God does all the work. No, notice again that he does both the protecting and all the pain. And he, he, the greatest king, we know, paid the steepest price for us, his people. And, and he protects us and he saves us and rescues us. You see, this new covenant in Jeremiah 31 points to the day when God, who was fully God, would become fully man. And he would live a perfect sinless life and die on the cross to take the wrath that we deserved for our sins to make us family with him. You see, grace is not getting what we deserve. The scripture says that we are all sinners. And the standard for heaven is a, to live a sinless life. And that the, because the penalty of our sin is death. And so, let me ask you, why? Why did he make this covenant? And here's the reason. Scripture tells us that we would not and could not do our part as the lesser kings to the greatest king. We could not pay the penalty for our sins. So he does it for us. And he takes the curse, the curse that we actually deserved. He does this so we will have a hope and a future And God reveals to us in Jeremiah 31 three things that we don't have to wait for. Isn't that good news? And the first is this, his finished work. 
And we're going to dive a little bit into the details of this passage. So stay with me, okay? Get your focus caps on. Because as you get more and more of the details of God's work and his marvelous grace, it will help you to understand the covenant of grace and help you actually to live a life of flourishing more and more as you trust him. So let's dive in. Look at verse 31. It begins this way. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. Notice here, it is God who is speaking. It's his authority, the declaration made through his prophet Jeremiah. And remember that the people there of southern Israel are now in 70 years of captivity as they receive this prophecy. So look at things are not good. Just think about it if you're in a hard place right now. You need hope. You need grace. And here Jeremiah delivers this amazing promise. Here that, that, that God is going to bring hope, not just to deliver them back to the land of Israel, but we know down in verse 33 or so, he's going to change their hearts. And we're going to see more about that in just a few moments. But here he goes on in verse 31. Look at it. He says, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That word make is really, really pretty fascinating. It's actually the word to cut. And what happens when you get a cut? You bleed, right? If you're human, you bleed. And, and so here he's talking about cutting or making a covenant. And he's talking about, you think about the covenant with Abraham and with Moses, that it would all involved a cutting of an animal. But here, the new covenant is even better. It, it's the promise that one day the promised Lamb of God, Jesus, will be cut or he will make the once for all sacrifice for us and he will rescue us and he does all the protection and all the pain. He gives his very life for you and me and all who believe in him. So this verse goes on to say that the new covenant was the promise to the house of Israel and the house of Judah, which is house of Israel were the 10 northern tribes. House of Judah were the two southern tribes. And together, they represented the whole of God's people in the New Testament. And we know this, that the new covenant points forward to the day when all of God's people will be saved and rescued and protected by God, regardless of race or ethnic background. And if you today, if you today have simple faith in Christ's finished work, you, you are included in this new covenant. In verse 32, God, through Jeremiah, talks about a covenant he made with the Jewish people, with his representative, Moses. And after 430 years of slavery, the Lord freed his people from bondage and brought them into the promised land and the, the land of Israel. And 
And here's the problem. Instead of worshiping God and, and, and just praising him for his work of salvation, they themselves turn to the gods of the lands around them, to other gods. And as a result of their sin and misdirected worship, they were under punishment. And they went into 70 years of exile in captivity there in, if you will, in Babylon. But here, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 31 is sharing with them hope that there will be a day they will be rescued. There is a new covenant coming. And you see, this new covenant was literally the pinnacle, the very top of God's grace and his work throughout all of history. When God the Father sent Jesus to die for our sins, 1 Peter 1.12 tells us that this is a day that prophets would prophesy about and that angels actually were anticipating expectantly. They were looking forward to the day when God would complete the work of salvation. And look, we don't have to wait anymore. The work is finished. It's completed. Remember, Jesus is the greatest of kings, and we are the lesser of kings, and we should be doing all the paying. But for, instead, he does all the paying for the curse of our sins. How good is this, church? And, and notice, what does he do? What does he actually do in the New Testament, Galatians 3.13? It says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus took the curse for our sins. And his very last words, John 19.30, were these. It is finished. And we know the translation of that is the debt has been paid for his people. All that, all that was needed, all that was required of the payment was finished at the cross. And we get grace now. You see, we don't have to wait anymore. No longer do we have to wait because it is finished. And some of you would like to say, I'd, I'd like this sermon to be finished right now. But I have two more things to share with you. You see, we don't have to wait anymore because not only is it finished, but we get continual heart change. The Lord says through his promise, prophet, Jeremiah, in verse 33, look at it. It says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. God promised a day when his grace would be applied to the hearts of his people. This would be a radical application. You see, in the Old Testament, it was a season where God's people operated in more of an external way of receiving his grace. 
the law, including the Ten Commandments, you know, were written on tablets of stone. And they were read only in certain gatherings by priests. And even though the people were required to obey it, they never really had a chance to personally read it or even actually see it. Those tablets, we know, were kept safe in the temple in the holiest place called the Ark of the Covenant in in the Holy of Holies. And look at these tablets. And only one time a year was the Ark of the Covenant visited and it was only visited by one guy, the high priest. But here, Jeremiah is saying, there's a radical new day. When God would put his law in within the hearts of his people, he says, I'm going to write my law on your hearts. What does this mean? And what does Jeremiah actually mean by this? Uh, we know another prophet named Ezekiel. What a name, huh? Zeke. He predicted the day of the new covenant. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Simply put, Ezekiel and Jeremiah are talking about a day when Christ died, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and poured out his Holy Spirit on all of his people by God's grace. His people would receive the Holy Spirit into their hearts. God would sovereignly change hearts of his people and give them a new nature. And he would create in them a new desire to actually obey him and grow in him. This is the work of God. And this is what is meant when it says that God writes the law on their hearts. And look at church, we we live in a better day. A better day that Hebrews prophesies and talks about. Because no longer is faith built around a system of just external conformity to laws in the law system. But faith in God and God's grace is about an inner transformation. We all should be changing constantly. Our hearts. Is your heart changing today? Are you taking the word of God and saying, God, grow me today. Teach me your word. Transform me by the power and person of your Holy Spirit who dwells in me. You see, not only do we do, we don't have to wait anymore. (laughs) We don't have to wait anymore for his finished work. We don't have to wait anymore for continual heart change. And and thirdly and finally, we don't have to wait anymore for our new identity rooted in community. Look at the last verse, the end of verse 33. It says, and I will be their God and they shall be mine. People, unlike the Old Testament covenants, the new covenant is better. It's better because our identity is 
his people is highly personal. The blessing of the new covenant, you see, is tied to what Jesus has done and not how well we obey. Aren't you glad about that? This is why Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount that that we in the new covenant have a more intimate and and an immediate access to God. This is pretty radical. Maybe not for you and me, but in the Old Testament times, I mean, they could not even say the name of God. We come to the New Testament from the Old Testament times, and we see that now we have this close relationship with God, and he is called Father, Father, over and over again, and even called the very personal name in Galatians 4, 6, and 7, Abba which means Papa. You see, this is a new and radical concept, the concept of seeing God as our Father and having direct access to Him. And it's not just about praying more or even getting your prayers answered. It's really about prayer that brings you into a growing relationship with your Father. Are you growing in Him? Are you growing in prayer? Are you growing in knowing him? Not just doing things for him. You see, Matthew 6, 9 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught us this pattern prayer. And he begins this, he says this, pray then like this, our Father. You see, at the heart of the new covenant is an intimate relationship with God. Jesus makes it possible for us to have relationship with him. And it's clear that we are his people. Every Christ follower has the Holy Spirit in our hearts to reassure us, to remind us that he is our God and we are his. Our identity is new. We were once far from God because we were enemies because of our sin, but now we're brought close to him in relationship with him. We are his, his people, and we have a new community. Praise be to our God for his work. Paul writes in Romans 8, verse 16, a verse you may be familiar with. The Spirit, which he's talking about the Holy Spirit here, himself bears witness, which means makes clear. He makes it really like it's almost tangible to you. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, you and I don't have to wait to know God. You and I don't have to be wait, wait to have a new identity in Jesus. We have it if we know him. It's highly personal. It's here and now. See, in the Old Testament days, there were what were called signs and shadows. Signs and shadows were simply like signposts that pointed forward to a future reality. Shadows were reflections of the real thing. There were signs and shadows, and some of those signs and shadows were called, were the temples, the temple sacrifices, and the priests were signs and shadows pointing to a day when Jesus would come 
You see, the temple pointed forward to the future when Jesus would come in our hearts and would become the temple where he would dwell. It was no longer just a building. The sacrifices in the Old Testament were the blood of animals that were temporary. They had to do it over and over again. But when Jesus was sacrificed at the cross, it was what? Finished. It was done. It was completely paid for. And finally, the priests. The priests were those in the Old Testament who were go-betweens or mediators between the people of God, the Jewish people, and God himself. But we come to the New Testament and there is no longer a need for human mediation or go-between Jesus becomes our mediator, God himself. And we can go directly to God. We can have immediate access. But notice that in the Old Testament times that these signs and shadows, temples, the temple sacrifices and priests were all done, you know, individual people would come. But they had to go to a building that was built by Jewish people, and they had to go through the priests. They performed their worship in the context of Jewish community. Likewise, we today, we're individuals and have a very personal relationship with God, but don't miss this, because Americans can miss this. We do this all in the context of community. That's why you're here today, in person. That's why you take all the effort to come, even though you got an extra hour. You see, community is a big part of our new identity. Our identity as his sons and daughters is not just as individuals. We are loved personally and intimately by God in the context of community. Look at verse 31 again, talking about this new covenant. It says this, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The identity of believers in the Bible is never, never disconnected from the context of community. In the Old Testament, my people was describing the nation of Israel, and in the New Testament times, my people is describing those who know Jesus Christ in personal faith in the context of the church. We were not created to live as individuals. That's why we gather together and we shouldn't give up, as Hebrews says, the habit of meeting together. We need one another, not because we're, we're so great in ourselves. We need each other to point one another to Jesus. We've got to spur one another on and remind one another of the truths of God's precious word. We, we, the church, are the community of faith that are vital for our own spiritual nourishment and growing health. Yes, faith in Christ, being a Christ follower, is highly personal and individual, and it is all all in the context of a community. 
So listen, church, we no longer have to wait for his finished work. We no longer have to wait anymore for our continual heart change. We no longer have to wait anymore for our new identity rooted in the context of community. You see, as we prepare now for the Lord's table, it's a reminder of the new covenant. Do you know, what did Jesus say when he took the cup? He said this, this cup is the new covenant. We have someone there that's been here for a bit. This cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. You see, these signs point forward to a future reality when it will, God's grace will know it and experience it even in a fuller way than today. Yes, today we have his finished work and our, yes, we do have heart change. We have our new identity in, rooted in community. But listen, we're looking forward to that day of all days when Jesus returns and or when we die and we are taken, those of us who know Christ as our God and Savior and we're face to face with him. Thanks be to our Lord. And we need these reminders, these signs of his finished work that we have become and are growing as his people. And to remind us, not just today's hope, but looking forward to the future when he will complete and restore all things. And there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sin. I can't wait. How about you? That will be the day that we look forward to. May God be praised. May he be glorified. We don't have to wait anymore for many things, but we wait, those of us who know Jesus as our God and King, we wait expectantly for him to come again and for his beautiful fellowship in heaven when all things will be made new. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your new covenant that was taught about, prophesied all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 31. Praise your name, Lord. Thank you. Father, as we come, we're we are encouraged by all that we get to celebrate in this season called this era of grace. We're, we're really amazingly blessed. Wow, thank you, Lord. And Lord, thank you. As we wait and we look forward, give us faith to believe that you will return soon as we take of this your Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.